the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into hour two. It is a delight to bring back, as we do every Friday as he uh, negotiates us through this election year, George Kaloff. He is the president at Data Orbital Consulting. He's also the managing partner at the Resolute Group, both both based right here in Arizona. It's funny, at the end of the week, Bill, isn't it? I kind of get a little tongue-tied by the end of the week. George Kaloff, welcome back. How are you, sir? I am good, Seth. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. A little tongue-tied at the end of the week, as you can hear, but I'm, it's, it, yeah. Well, we, we did the math on this, George. I, I don't know if you can do yours. We did the math once. We figured roughly, give or take, I, I utter about 85,000 words a week on this show. And uh, by the time we're getting in the 80, the 85 range, the tongue gets a little twisted here and there. So forgive me. You know, me. that would be good to see how many words do I utter on the phone every uh, yeah. every week. Yeah, I bet. Hours, I yeah. bet. Okay, here's a fu- okay. Here's an idea, George, to make you and me both wealthy beyond our dreams. If we can crowdfund this, maybe you know how they have monitors. They have these monitors that you check for you know how your heart is doing, how your lungs are active, different things. Sometimes you swallow something. We could do this with words. You would just carry it around with you, right? And it would measure. <laughs> it would measure. Hey, now the only reason we I, might not get the funding for this is to what end is <laughs> is this useful? <laughs> why is this good knowledge to have? <laughs> exactly. I don't exactly. know why it matters if you speak eighty or I speak eighty five thousand words a week. Uh, there is a lot to talk about here, so we'll get we'll we'll push into eighty six thousand or whatever it is here, brother. Uh, let me do national and then go local with you if I can. Uh, first of all, you know, last week transpired something that usually would be, uh, several weeks of major headline news. We're now getting more and more accustomed to leaving one story rapidly and jumping right onto the next. But the Supreme Court, uh, the judicial, uh, justice nomination of, uh, Ketanji, uh, Brown Jackson, there was a lot in there. There were a lot of cultural issues, a lot of legal issues, a lot of divisions. Race is certainly a part of it. It was a big week and now almost nada. How does that whole thing just go away, even with a Republican senator announcing her support for the vote? I mean, this just made no news. I, well, it's amazing. It's amazing, Seth, and hopefully uh, folks can hear my, my sarcasm. It's amazing that uh, the mainstream media isn't covering, uh, you know, a judge that apparently has uh, light sentencing and has been known to yeah. give light sentences for child pornography charges yeah. and child pedophile, you know, pedophilia, and who was asked um, something about a woman. And she says, I don't know. I'm not a biologist. Now, obviously, she's, you know, she's now made a meme and it went around social media, but not mainstream media. It went around conservative social yep. media. And, and that was sort of a, it's a big observation for me. One of two things. One, she's going to, you know, she's going to get confirmed. Uh, Manchin said yes. Now, uh, Collins said yes. So she has at a minimum 51 votes. So mm-hmm. that's part of the lack of controversy. But mainly it's because, look, it's a it's a progressive, it's a nominee from a progressive president who would be a liberal and progressive activist judge on the bench. And of course, it's not going to be covered like how Brett Kavanaugh was, you know, Justice Kavanaugh was absolutely and utterly ripped to shreds or Amy Coney Barrett. Now, Justice Amy Coney Barrett was absolutely ripped to shreds. So double standards. 300 people or so were arrested 
for uh, breaking down uh, the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. It's it's interesting, yeah. too. I mean, I want people to understand this idea of people being arrested is the end of democracy when they break into the U.S. Capitol. Eh, depends. Depends who. Depends over what. Depends over who. All right. Well, I think you're right about that. And I think the media just doesn't want, if I'm reading you right, George, the media doesn't want a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a, a lot of Klieg lights on these decisions of uh, Brown Jackson's from the past. I noticed when Josh Hawley, who was really uh, the tip of the spear of bringing all this out, when he was doing her Q&A, we may have discussed this last week, I don't remember, but when he was interrogating her, uh, it was interesting. At least two networks, one being Fox, one being PBS, uh, they went to uh, pre-scheduled programming. They were covering it live, then came Josh Hawley, and they went to pre-scheduled programming. I just thought that amazing. I thought it beyond amazing. Yeah, yeah, and, and look, I mean, the other thing I will, you know, someone on the other side may say, play devil's advocate and be like, well, there's a lot of crises happening in our world sure. today, and this is why there's not being covered. And there was a lot of crises back then, too. It wasn't yep. like the world was hunky-dory during Kavanaugh, definitely not during Amy Coney Barrett, I believe that was during COVID. Um, you know, another part of it, too, which is going to be very interesting, uh, and I think that if, if the, you know, if the, if the Democrats sort of view this as a bump potentially for, you know, for, for President Biden or for the Democrats on the ticket, it's not going to be because voters just don't care. Now, that's yeah. a good, right? That's a good and bad. That's a double-edged sword. Yeah. But people are much more focused on punishing for, you know, gas prices and different things. You know, it also may be because, you know, uh, you know, she would be replacing another more progressive, you know, judge as well, you know, more moderate, but still was a reliable, fairly reliable vote. So maybe that takes a little bit out of the controversy, but it's just been amazing. It's all the talk in D.C. And yeah. you talk to friends yeah. back in D.C. Yeah. as I know that you yeah. do. Yeah. And in Arizona, people are like, huh, what? yeah. what's I, happening? It's, it's an interesting difference. sword, too. I, you tell me if it's real or not. I was reading an op-ed from a black entrepreneur in uh, Newsweek earlier in the week, an African, self-described African-American entrepreneur <clears throat> who was talking about Biden and the Democrats losing support in the traditionally uh, heavily supportive of the Democratic Party African-American community. And it's not that they're losing a majority, but they're losing significant worrisome numbers, according to the op-ed I read. And it would you would think you would think the left on uh, and the Biden administration, on the one hand, would want to promote that Joe Biden is doing this and becoming this kind of record breaking first president to, to, to nominate or successfully nominate an African-American woman to the Supreme Court. You would think they want that. But the problem is, I think, too, during those hearings, during some of the stuff Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and a few others were bringing out, I think the Democrats are saying we probably could have vetted this one a little better. Maybe this wasn't the star to trot out. Yes, 100 percent. And again, it was also the timing relative to to Ukraine. And then this is going back to conversations that you and I have had, you know, almost every week that, that we've been on together, which is he can't catch a break. I yeah. mean, he's a lot of it is self-inflicted wounds, but literally this was going to be, okay, we're going to, you know, rally around the flag for Ukraine. Didn't happen. Right. He utterly botched that. Right. Now it's like, okay, Supreme Court, this is going to be the thing that mobilizes, you know, I mean, not just the Democratic Party base. I mean, Seth, I know you know this, but the base of voters that, that won him the nomination. It was Bernie Sanders. Right. And South Carolina was the was the state that changed it. And it's a state that Democratic primary is made up of a, a, a definitely a plurality, if not a majority, African American vote. They are his people. They you know, they've been with him since day one. And obviously Kamala Harris being on the ticket. And yet once again, he's not getting the effect he needs. And actually I've seen some numbers recently in this last week that shows that his approval rating is dipping even more. Yeah. You know what, George, you're right about that and reminding me of that because 
all of these wounds are practically self-inflicted. Yeah, the rally around the flag over Ukraine, that just went nowhere because he walked all over his theoretical apply. It reminds me of what Barack Obama said uh, on a hot mic once, which is don't underestimate the ability of Joe Biden to you know what it up. And he didn't say you know what. <laughs> uh, Barack Obama was prescient on that point, right? I mean, he was giving yeah. a pretty good speech, actually, as these things go. A pretty good speech in Poland until he just drove that thing right into the wall. Yeah, yeah, that's another example. And then once again, I mean, it's all I mean, every time he talks, there's like a pre-scheduled yep. follow-up cleanup from his staff in the yep. White House to say actually the president didn't mean this. Yep. I mean, I mean, look for for someone who again said he was going to unify, said he was going to words matter, right? People have been trudging that back up. That's why his one of his attacks on President Trump words matter. Yeah. Well, look at this. If yeah. words matter, then then you know you're you're making a lot of missteps. So what word are we supposed to take? Your word or the word of the you know the staff that cleans it up afterwards? By the way, the staff that cleans it up. I was making a point with someone the other day. He agreed with me. I, I think you would too. It's an interesting thing. We just accustom ourselves to a new normal, and and we don't think too deeply about how weird it is. But the normal in the past, George, has never really been that the staff cleans up for the president. It's been that the president usually has to clarify things his secretaries, his cabinet members, and his senior staff say. Usually the president tightens those things up when those people go off script. You don't usually see the staff having to, much less routinely, clean up for the president of the United States. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It has It has been... Um at, at, at points, uh, at points, especially as, a, as an American, you know, depressing to watch uh, at the power yeah. Uh, yeah. of the presidency and the power of, of what our flag means around the world. And, and the reason why my family, main reason why my family came here from from Lebanon, where I was born, is because of the power of the United States of America and the opportunity. And you know, so much has been so quickly squandered in in a little north of a year. It is it is. Uh, Depressing to see, candidly. So. I'm wondering why your family would want to move to a systemically racist country, George. I don't understand that <laughs> myself. Maybe, maybe that maybe 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 it got worse. Uh, listen, I have to run to a break. I've got a lot to do with you. I got another national story before I get to the local ones. I want to talk a little bit about Title 42 and something interesting. Kristen Cinema said, "Can you stick with me a little bit?" Absolutely. Wonderful. I'm Seth Liebson. He's George Kaloff, me and my shadow. Perfect song. Managing partner at the Resolute Group, president at Data Orbital. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. George Kaloff is our guest, as he is every Friday. He is the managing partner at the Resolute Group, the president at Data Orbital Consulting. We do politics Every Friday, George, I want to do one other national story with you, if I can, before we move more locally. <clears throat> and that's uh, the Biden administration announced that uh, it is going to uh, end uh, Title uh, 42, which is an effort we have been engaged in that helps uh, keep uh, our border a little bit more secure because it uh, helps us in not having to uh, in not having to accept every asylum seeker. Uh, under a health administration. Let me just put it to you this under a health uh, administration guideline. Let me just put it to you this way. Kate Bedingfield, the director of White House Communications, said on Wednesday, we have every expectation that when Title 42 is lifted, there will be an influx of people to the border. So even the administration is acknowledging that there will be whatever this crisis is now, it will be made worse. Um Kirsten Cinema today 
Democrat Arizona quoted as saying, today's decision to announce an end to Title 42, despite not yet having a comprehensive plan ready, shows a lack of understanding about the crisis at our border. So she's going up against the administration on, of all things, immigration policy. She's gone up against them on some big issues. Um, Is she safe as a Democrat? Is she not caring anymore about what the base backlash looks like? I remember when she was followed into a bathroom at ASU by protesters, President Biden said, well, this happens to everyone. Is she just not kind of on board with this administration for a lottery? What, 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 what's going on with Kate Kristen Cinema? Yeah, I mean, it, it, she has been one of the most fascinating people to follow uh, for the, you know, I've seen the last decade in, in Arizona politics because she has had a complete, uh, a complete change from where she was in 08, 2010 to where she is today. And, uh, you know, starting off as a, as a self-described proto-socialist Green Party member to today being one of the most moderate, if not the most moderate member of the U.S. Senate, along with Joe Manchin, who represents a state of like West Virginia, which is night or day compared to Arizona. Yeah. Uh, I think she, she gets it. I mean, look, for her to even say crisis at the border, whether or not she right. back against the president or not, I don't know that there's other Democrats that are willing to say That's crisis at right. the border. Now, granted, yeah. Exactly. Right. She's but she's a Democrat in a border state. So that's that's one of it. Right. She's not a Democrat in Connecticut. You know, if you're Blumenthal, you're like, oh, I don't care about the border, even though it affects them, too. You know, you're a Democrat <clears throat> that represents a border state like Arizona. Uh, but I mean, look, I think she has some trouble with her left flank. I'm going to be very curious to see. And I'm going to assume that this election is going to start. Uh, if you can believe it, you know, I don't know, a month or two after the November election, I would assume someone like a Ruben Gallego or someone else announces probably in the first quarter of 2023. A primary challenge, but we'll see how the primaries go this year. We'll see how the progressive base does. I would assume they do well because, you know, both parties are experiencing a, a growth in their sort of uh, more sort of progressive for the Democrats, more conservative wing for the Republicans. And so I would assume that she has some danger. But look, she is a prolific fundraiser, and I can guarantee you she's going to work harder than anyone. And she still has a machine that would rival any political machine in the state. And she knows that, yes, the primary is part of the battle, but she also understands the general is the battle and that someone like Gallego would have a truly tough time with as exceptionally progressive as he is to win. And so she is all, you know, making all those, uh, you know, all those calculations. You know, after just working off memory, I I can't do the data, so correct me if I'm wrong, but after the um, quote-unquote Gingrich Revolution of 1994, remember there were a bunch of southern and mountain state, not a bunch, but at least a handful of southern and mountain state Democrats that converted over to the Republican Party, Ben Nighthorse Campbell, I forget who it was, was maybe it was Richard Shelby, one of them. I'm blanking on another name out there in the, in the South, but, but it, 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 it seems to me, yeah, Ruben Gallego may, may pop up, but might not there be a concerted effort of Republican leadership to ask her to kind of join our side, maybe just making it official, or is she still too far? for Republicans to embrace? Or does she have no interest in that? Do you think she kind of likes the status yeah, I, she's in? She probably likes the status that she's in. I don't know that there's an incentive for her to change parties. I think that would make it a lot harder because, look, there's a, you know, she's not aligned with, with Republicans on any cultural or social issue, period. Right. Hard right. stop, right? right? So there's no right. there's no daylight there. There's some wiggle room on immigration, which is a big deal, you know, but election integrity, I mean, it, it's more of a, you know, like I, I used to hear, uh, you know, former Senator Jeff Flake say this, like an institutionalist. She's like an institutionalist, okay. right? Like she she wants to stand by the institution. So 
I think, you know, who knows? Maybe does she end up being a registered independent? Maybe, right? I mean, our, our state here doesn't really lend itself for running as, a, as an independent like how, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders does in Vermont. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if she has that incentive to to become a Republican. But you know what? Stranger things have happened. Yeah, strange. And 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 we know. Well, you know, the Democratic Party does know how to um, make things difficult for for those that wander off their reservation at their given time. I remember when the Democratic Party put all the money they could behind uh, Ned Lamont to get rid of Joe Lieberman. And Joe Lieberman, you know, beat him back as an independent and then caucused as an independent, but with the Democrats. Uh, but the Democratic Party can do that to people. They could theoretically fund and support Ruben Gallego or some other challenger yeah. to her, you know, and make her life very exactly. hard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, like I said, we'll, we'll see. She still seems – I mean, look, the, 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 so the last thing I'll say in this, you know, everything we know about her, she's a – smart political operator. Yeah. I would be shocked if she was doubling down in complete blindness and that she didn't have a plan, that she, yeah. her team didn't have a finger on the pulse of yeah. what's happening. I mean, look, she got censured and she still is doing what she's doing. Yeah. So uh, there's got to be a rhyme to her reason. She's, she is, she is a, she is one of the best, if not the best political operator that, that I'm seeing right now in, in the country. How would you, how would you compare her, her, her skill and ability to navigate Arizona uh, and our, what shall we call it, uh, conflict on whether we're a Republican or a leaning Democrat state, uh, compared to Mark Kelly. How would you compare her political acumen and tea leave reading to Mark Kelly's? I mean, I think it's, uh, I think it's absolutely night and day. I mean, okay. Mark Kelly, uh, I mean, Mark Kelly does not have that same acumen, but also Mark Kelly doesn't have the history in Arizona that cinema does. He just doesn't. And yes, he got obviously you know, Gabby Giffords and, and some of that stuff. But uh, she is she is on another she is on another planet in my mind when she comes to political acumen as a Democrat and navigating Arizona. Politics. Yeah, I think you're right. It's an interesting thing. I've seen his TV ads. Mark Kelly's he's come out early with TV ads and he is um, he's touting that he's this independent. He says something I think his most recent ad says it's not a Democratic issue. It's not a Republican Party issue. It's an Arizona issue, something like that. He's kind of trying to sound <laughs> like Christian cinema, but he's not acting like Christian cinema. That's 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 how I deduce yeah. that. That's what I deduce. I didn't get to the local stuff. Can I keep you one more segment and talk about some stuff Doug Ducey did this week and how it'll play out? Absolutely. Thank you, because i got to run to this break. He signed some interesting legislation. Let me just give a tease, folks. NBC News, here's their – well, it's the Associated Press. It's NBC printing the Associated Press yesterday. Arizona Republican governor signed a series of bills Wednesday targeting abortion and transgender rights. Targeting transgender rights. We're talking about children here. And competing in sports and them making their own decisions about radical surgery. He could – the article just as well could have said Arizona Republican governor signed a series of bills Wednesday preserving women's integrity in sports or preserving women's competitiveness in sports. They could have done that. They could have. They wouldn't. I'm Seth. We'll be right back with a little more from George Kaloff. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. George Kaloff is our guest. He is the managing partner at the Resolute Group, president of Data Orbital 
Consulting. Uh, Governor Ducey signed uh, a bunch of legislation uh, this week, George. Uh, some of it made national attention. Uh, I guess suppose uh, so I guess the the purportedly the th- the three pieces of legislation he signed that made the most got the most received the most attention were uh, limiting uh, abortion uh, to um, uh, to to not happening after not being allowed after fifteen weeks, and then uh, two on transgender. Uh, what what AP calls transgender rights, what I would say protects female athletics and uh, parental responsibility. How does how is this going to play out uh, for other Republicans in the state in an election year? You think, George? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, first off, very grateful that the governor signed those bills. As, as you know, we've had lots of discussions on them. Yeah, uh, that those those issues are are exceptionally important to to people like me and and. and Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people across the state. You can say me and you. You can say me and you. I'm your shadow. Yeah, 100%. And candidly, is, is the, is supported by a majority of, uh, you know, of, of Arizonans. I mean, I think this is going to have reverberating effects because to even, even put it from this framing, uh, what the governor did was, was, was protect women and, and their ability to be able to compete in sports. It, it placed common sense restrictions on, uh, on on a puberty or sorry on on gender altering surgeries for minors that parents need to be part of that equation whereas in other states the government is mandating it and they're actually stripping parental rights over it and it saves uh, innocent life right I mean all those things are you know what feel to be common sense on the heels of what's happening in Florida and what's happening with with DeSantis and the the quote unquote don't say gay bill which also wasn't that it was common sense not letting you know K through three students or talking kids under ten hear about um, exceptionally sexual things and to be um, and to be sort of told and, and, and indoctrinated by their teachers that are, you know, obviously of a different political persuasion. Uh, so the world feels upside down when we talk about these issues. And, and you know, we talked about it last week. I'll reiterate it again today. Uh, we're on the winning side of those battles. We're on the winning side of those cultural battles. The majority of Arizona, 65 percent, want to protect women and want to protect the ability for um for women to be able to compete against other women, not against biological men in sports. Uh, they want to protect and have parental consent. Over 70% want to protect uh, parental consent when it comes to uh, issues like that. And actually, more than 50%, probably I think in the 60s, if I remember correctly, want to have an outright ban on those types of surgeries that are literally non-reversible and will have damning effects and damaging effects for the rest of someone's life. So um, it's a big deal, these issues, and, and we're on the winning side. Uh, just the media doesn't want you to think we're on the winning side. Would you put a caveat to that, George, that we're on the winning side if we're bold about this and we don't shrink or feel embarrassed about it? Sometimes Republicans don't like to get you know their hands into these kinds of things. I was going to say get their hands dirty with these sorts of things. You know who I, you you know the kind of Republican I'm talking about. Yes. It seems to me you act like Ron DeSantis, you're going to win. You get you you push as hard against them as they're pushing against you, and then you make it. That's how you make it a winning issue. But you make it something to be ashamed of, or something you kind of want done in the veil of darkness. Then it makes it appear like you really don't believe in what you're saying, and maybe aren't so sure it's the right thing to do. You agree? You got to lean into this one. One hundred percent. We have to lean in. We have to be bold. We have to be convicted. Again, it's no accident. You know, you, you said uh, anytime you introduce me, managing partner of the Resolute Group, there's a there's a reason and yeah. the intentionality behind yeah. that word Resolute. Yep. We need to be resolute in these issues and convicted in these issues because when we are not, when we shirk away, when we lean back, what happens if someone's in a 
fight for anyone that you know has ever boxed or knows anything about this, right? Or just knows something about physics. When you're leaning back and you get hit, you fall over. Yep. When you're leaning in and you're in your strength position, you don't. Nice. You take a hit, you give a hit. Nice. <laughs> right. Nice. I mean, we're doing that proverbially right now in politics, day in and day out. And what more honorable thing to fight for than for our most vulnerable and for babies to fight for our children? And to fight for women that we have been fighting for candidly for a hundred years yeah. and that the left has been fighting for yeah. and now is dismantling in the name of feminism. They're dismantling feminism and everything that they've worked on the last hundred years. Fifteen seconds left, George. Is Disney uh, is Disney making a miscalculation here, you think, for the long haul? I think that they are, but the problem with Disney is it's not like there's any competitor yeah. in the market. Yeah. Someone tomorrow is yeah. gonna pop up a conservative yeah. um, thing. I think what's gonna be very interesting is if they start to now have almost exclusively or a lot of LGBT characters, as they said, and that starts to affect, that may have a that may have an effect. But I don't know. Is someone now going to not go to Disneyland or Disney World? I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. Well, I canceled my Disney Plus. I, if people will join me, I canceled my Disney Plus subscription last week. It's not hard, actually. It's one of the apps, yeah. uh, one of the websites that makes it pretty easy, as does their ideology and politics. George Kaloff, God bless you, sir. Godspeed to you. Uh, managing partner, the Resolute Group. Remember that word, Resolute, and president at Data Orbital Consulting. Till next week, brother. Thank you. Thanks. All right. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. Anything on your mind? We're here for you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Two small things and then a slightly bigger one. Small, the news is breaking that Will Smith has resigned his membership from the uh, Academy Motion Pictures Awards Association. It means nothing. It means nothing. They were meeting to discuss what his uh, sanction would be. It could have been a suspension. It could have been an expulsion. It means absolutely nothing. I mean, he's keeping his Best Actor Award. You have that. I mean, what difference does it make anymore? And what would be the likelihood of him ever getting another award anyhow? <laughs> you know, it just... It means nothing. Looks like a grand gesture. It's not. All right. That's just one small one. The second one, it's interesting. You may or may not have seen the stories about it, but Jen Psaki is evidently uh, negotiating uh, to uh, get a job with MSNBC as uh, as she is contemplating uh, her next moves and wanting to leave the office of the president, wanting to leave uh, her job as uh as White House press secretary, I did say about a week ago, I think, put a bookmark here. Um, I think you're going to see some administration officials in some fairly senior admission in some fairly senior positions leaving. Uh, you have seen um, a, uh, an exodus of a lot of top staffers to Kamala Harris leaving. The um, the tradition is after a thumping in a midterm, you see some leaving, you see some turnover, you see some retooling. My prediction was you were going to see it before the actual midterms. People don't like to be the last person to turn the light out. And I just think as uh, Joe um, Joe Biden's senescence is getting worse uh, by the day and becoming more and more evident and less and less easy to conceal, uh, people are going to, you know, want to disassociate from him. And Jen Psaki seems to be one of them. Now, here's what's interesting. Washington Post article on that. 
When questioned about whether it would be ethical for Saki to serve as White House press secretary while negotiating with a media company about a future job, she said, quote, I have always gone over and above the stringent ethical and legal requirements of the Biden administration, and I take that very seriously, having received ethics counseling as it relates to any future employment, close quote. Ethics counseling? Ethic? This is a thing? <laughs> okay, I, 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 I probably they do call it that, probably. Um, there is an Office of Professional Ethics, of course, and OK, but even that aside, ethics counseling, how about I don't know if you need ethics counseling. How about just ethics? But but does it strike you just a little bit? Again, the jokes we're supposed to just accept and move on from. Does anyone here know of any employer or employment situation where you can be publicly and actively Seeking another job while currently employed with the one you have. <laughs> oh, Jim, I'm uh, I'm I'm interviewing for another job, but uh, you know I'll keep this one until we finalize uh, the dotted line here. I, no, <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. I suppose one could sarcastically say. The only difference is that there's really no difference between the job she has now and working at MSNBC. I suppose one could make that sarcastic, though pretty accurate point. But boy, and also, is she that good that they need to keep her while she's negotiating this job, this other job with MSNBC? And 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 what does it mean for the press secretary to be trying to get a job, probably in the seven figures? With MSNBC while she is supposed to be giving information to media news sources and calling on and not calling on reporters in the press pool who work for versions of MSNBC or NBC. What does it say about any of that? And what does it say about any other administration officials who might be getting requests or questions from MSNBC or NBC? I mean, you know, the most ethical administration in history is what we were promised. Okay, okay. I guess if you get ethics clarification or ethics counseling, which is usually like values clarification, the meaning or the translation for devaluing ethics. Anyway, I had a big story on uh, media, uh, media bias, which I'll get to in a moment as well. But let's talk a little energy with Rob. Hi, Rob. Hi, Seth. I hope you guys uh – uh, have a great weekend. Thank you. Up. It's gearing I, up to I, me. I appreciate that. Gearing up to well, me. Well, we yeah, we do what we can here. Um, now, I was listening to was a Joe was it yesterday when Joe Biden said he's going to release uh, a million gallons of oil per day? Yeah, for up to 180 days. Yeah, or something like that. Well, you know, first of all, this is a strategic petroleum reserve, and okay, one million barrels a day. Americans tend to use around 20 million barrels of oil per day. Yep. So, so we get about what, nine million. days out of this? Yeah. And and how many times has this been done in the last, I don't know, six months? It seems like the fourth or fifth time where he, rather than drill or allow uh, drilling on uh, federal property or whatever, he wants to just go ahead and uh, lower the strategic petroleum reserves and 
when I think of strategic petroleum reserves, I think of emergencies that really aren't uh, man-made, self-made, kind of situation. Yeah, self self-induced. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And what's interesting too is you'll find that uh, the the price of oil in the strategic oil reserve was something like I think around twenty nine dollars a barrel. Well, what are we paying now? And then how many years is it going to take to replenish the strategic oil reserves? Wait, just wait. Okay. What makes you think they want to replenish the oil reserves? Well, see, this is this is part of the whole issue here of of uh, why they're doing what they do uh, with you know because the the price for a barrel of benchmark West Texas Intermediate crude oil was around 101 on Thursday afternoon. That's right. Uh, and, that, and that was down more than 6% in the wake of Biden's announcement. So that's, so there's that. Um, and if he wants to release a million barrels a day, it's, it's just, again, not going to have a significant impact on uh, the oil consumption in America. No. And again, I mean, you know, so the choices are, He's going to drain down the strategic oil reserves. And when I think strategic, I think maybe used for military purposes. Military emergencies. Yeah, national disasters. Yeah, Yeah, national emergencies and disasters. That's the point of it. Yeah. 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 Not not saving your hide for November election, which it won't do, by the way, because it won't. It just won't. Well, no, it won't. And anyway, that's. That's about all I No, have. no, no, it's good. I, I, It's good. I mean, there is there is an amazing amount of oddness and hypocrisy and people not seeing around the corners of these things. <clears throat> Excuse me, for example, I mean, until that statement, the effort he was saying was to get Venezuela and Saudi Arabia to crank up more. And I just, you know, if the whole point is to protect the environment, if the whole point of his policies in America and the restricted drilling in America, the restricted exploration in America, is to protect the environment, does he think Venezuela and Saudi Arabia have better environmental standards than we do? I can give you the answer. They don't. But it does in wealth in those countries, not ours. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Yeah, I wanted to do this on media bias. Uh, this is uh, from Glenn Greenwald. Do you remember this? It's exactly a year ago. The New York Times published an article that was uh, considered and treated as a bombshell by the political class, citing exclusively anonymous sources. The paper of record announced that. Do you remember this? Matt Gates, congressman from Florida, Quote, is being investigated by the Justice Department over whether he had a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old and paid for her to travel with him. Do you remember this? Do you remember this? The headline chosen by Times editors was as inflammatory and provocative as possible. Here it is. Matt Gates is said to face Justice Department inquiry over sex with an underage girl. That's the headline. The paper high up in the article emphasized what grave crimes these were, quote, the Justice Department regularly prosecutes such cases and offenders often receive severe sentences, close quote, often receive severe sentences. The article was extremely light on any actual evidence regarding Gates, instead devoting paragraph after paragraph to guilt by association tactics regarding, quote, a political ally of his, a local official in Florida named Joel Greenberg, who was indicted last summer on an array of charges, including sex trafficking of a child. 
Only in the seventh paragraph of that story, well below the headline casting him as a pedophile and sex trafficker, would you find this line in the New York Times piece? Quote, no charges have been brought against Mr. Gates and the extent of his criminal exposure is unclear. Close quote. It's not what the headline says. So we are exactly one year after publication of that reputation destroying article. And this remains true. While the DOJ may one day formally accuse Matt Gates, he has not been charged with, let alone convicted, of a single crime which the New York Times stapled onto his forehead. From the start, the GOP congressman vehemently denied these allegations, and he went further than mere denials. He claimed that the allegations arose as part of a blackmail and extortion scheme to extract $25 million from his family in exchange for not publicizing these accusations, which his father reported to the FBI in the first place. A lot of people scoffed at Gates' story as weird and bizarre. But that's the only part of this story that was vindicated. Last August, when a Florida developer and convicted felon was arrested on a charge that he tried to extort $25 million from Matt Gates's father in exchange for a presidential pardon that would shut down a high-profile trafficking investigation boy the new york times there's just no accountability none zero and you become a public figure like mac h you're a public figure you really have no recourse at all you have none this needs to change donald trump talked about changing this standard with the media and he got pilloried for it for what a war against the media a war against the media that's what he got pilloried for doing pilloried for doing okay i'm seth liebson we'll be right back Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 